Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Come on, Real Life, how you doing? Drew, you got to say a lot worse than crud to get my attention, I think. <laughs> Just saying, welcome to Real Life. Man, unreal. Oh, man. Oh, I'm excited you guys are in the house today. And uh, we are in the fourth week of this series, which is unbelievable, the songs that made us. I just got to know, how many of you guys are letting God write a new song in your heart? This is the third time we've been through, through this. Come on. We start with Ain't No Grave on Easter. Man, if Jesus is going to walk out of that grave, I'm walking too. A couple weeks ago, I'm just going to remind you, we did Oceans. Come on, dude. That's like the song of the song. And talking about if you're going to walk out in faith, step out of the boat, and if Jesus can walk on water, you can walk on water today too. Last week, we talked about probably the most iconic song of the century, I Can Only Imagine. Man, a song of what it's like to go to heaven. A song where there's no pain, no tears, no struggles. No, no, no tragedy, no bad news, the song of, of a transformation of life. This guy wrote the song, his dad went from abusive father and became like Jesus, and ultimately when he died, he's in heaven just like Jesus. It's a song written about his dad, incredibly powerful song. So I got to know that. Are you guys ready for God to write a new song in your heart today? We're going to bring a little word today. I'm excited about it. Well, I know you guys are excited because uh, I'm going to pump you up, but today's going to actually be a little different day. Uh, it's going to be more of a heavy day. Just going to let you know we're going to just talk about something that's in my soul. This song that you're going to hear today came out of tragedy. It was pinned with tears, I promise you. This song is coming out of the ashes, and God builds it into something great. And so we're going to dive into some of the harder things of life on this. And what I want to do before we jump in is just kind of start with a question. If you're over the age of probably 25, you're probably going to raise your hand on this question. But do you guys remember where you were on September 11th, 2001? Put your hand up high if you remember where you were September 11th, 2001. Keep them up real quick. Come on. You know what? You're like, oh, don't pick me. Don't pick me. Oh, she's looking away. No, no. We go back here, because I think this guy might be in New York. Hook me up, Victor. What, what was going on? I, w- I was living in Olathe, Kansas at the time, and I was off work that day, and I was looking at TV and saw, unfortunately, everything unfold. And um, if it wasn't for Christian people later that day that we were able to get together and pray, I, I was a mess, because I didn't know at the time if friends or family were involved in all that. Thankfully, they weren't. I found out later, but it was just as if I did. So it was terrible. Yes, yeah, one of those moments most of us will never forget, especially you guys were from there. And so you recognize, like, the, the weight on your soul in that moment. And there's times in our lives where that weight happens, right? Like, does anybody remember uh, uh, Oklahoma City bombing, 1995? It was just almost 26 years ago. It was actually this month. Anybody remember you were? Remember that happened? It was like a flashback, right? Like, oh, yeah. I remember all thinking about that. Um, how about the date some of you guys? 1986, Challenger. Disintegrate something, leaving everything happened. Put your hand up, remember that. All the young people are like, what? <laughs> What's all that about? I mean, what, what, you know, you hear about the tragedies around us and our heart just sinks, right? It's like as if time stands still. But like oftentimes tragedy is not out there. Like tragedy is right in here. Like tragedy is in our own life. Like friends and family. Like what happens when you're wrecked by somebody around you that you loved and cared for? Maybe it was a friend family member that committed suicide. This happened last week. Like, what, what happens when, when someone in your life passes away and there's an empty seat at the table? Like, what do you do in those moments? Like, who do you run to? Like, what's going to go on when your earth is shattered, like your whole world by abuse? 
or neglect or something happens, all of a sudden everything you thought was right is now flipped upside down. And this is what the song is all about today. It's all about walking through hardships, walking through pain, walking in that moment where you're like, why God? So we're going to dedicate this song to you guys who are struggling in that season. This song is written almost, hard to believe, hard to believe 150 years ago. Come on. We're going to go old school today. Old school. Probably the most iconic song in the American culture. It's written by a man named Horatio Safford. Horatio Safford was an aristocratic attorney, very wealthy in Chicago. He had bought a lot of property. He owned a lot of stuff. And his life was just tattered with tragedy. He had a four-year-old boy who had passed away just a few years prior to the Chicago fire, 1871. This fire ripped through Chicago, burned down his firm, burned down all the properties that he owned, and he went bankrupt. This man's the bottom of defeat and tragedy. He's connected to D.L. Moody, uh, one of the greatest American preachers of all time. If you don't know who he is, you need to look up and learn who he is. And so D.L. Moody uh, decided he was going to go crusade to England a few years later. And so he's basically bringing Jesus uh, to the people of England, and he invites his friends along. And so um, Horatio Safford and his family book a trip, take a ship across overseas to get there. Uh, last minute notice, the city of Chicago said, hey, look, we got some zoning issues with these properties that burned down. And so he stayed back. He sent his wife and his four daughters ahead of him. And so they're traveling across the ocean, and they run into almost bow to bow of another ship. And the ship that they're on snaps in half and sinks in less than 12 minutes. And so all four of his daughters drowned in this accident. His wife is found floating on a plank unconscious. Like somebody comes up from the ship that was still there that they wrecked into, pulls her on board. Another ship comes, rescues that ship before it sinks shortly after. They end up in England, and she sends back this telegraph that maybe one of the famous telegraphs ever sent. It said, saved alone, dot, 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 what do I do to her husband? So her husband gets this telegraph, immediately books a voyage across Atlantic Ocean to be with his wife. As he's traveling across the ocean, the captain of the ship knows the story. He knows his story. He invites Horatio into his cabin, and he says, hey, this is around the spot where that ship sank. It's three miles deep, and this is where they rest. And Horatio is quoted as saying, this isn't the tomb of my daughters. These lambs of mine are safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. Like this moment of faith in all this tragedy he writes the song that we're going to sing today as he's traveling literally across the ocean over his daughter's grave. He gets to England, meets up with his wife, and they connect with D.L. Moody, who then connects this song to one of his friends called Philip Bliss, who is a composer, a gospel singer, very famous of his day. And he puts the tune to the song that you would know. A few months after that, he penned the, the, the music to the song, Philip Bliss and his wife actually die in a tragic train crash as a bridge collapses on the way to Ohio to go to another D.L. Moody crusade. And so I'm saying this song is like birthed out of tragedy. Like this song is like those seasons that are like gut-wrenching in your life that make no sense, but God is faithful. Like there's strength found in Jesus. And so we're going to sing this song today. And this song is just powerful about the presence of God. I want you to see by the presence of God. It's found in Psalm chapter 9, verse 9. It says this. It says, the Lord is what? What's it say? A, a refuge. He's a refuge. That our God is a safe place. There's not a lot of those places in life. He's a place of healing, a place of restoration. He's a place of hope, a place where has a sure foundation for the oppressed. He says he's a stronghold in times of 
trouble. Now about you, life brings a lot of trouble, doesn't it? There's a lot of seasons of trouble. It says, those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. That Jesus is always faithful. If you run the race long enough with Jesus, you're going to realize that God is always, always, always faithful. I believe today for some of you, God is going to whisper into your heart a healing word of hope, a word of strength today. He's going to speak into your soul. So I further do, I want you guys to stand to your feet. We're going to worship with this song. Go on, get on up. Don't be nervous. This words, like I said, were written by Horatio Stafford. The music by Philip Bliss is a song, It Is Well With My Soul. We're going to do a different arrangement by Bethel Music, put together in 2015. Hit the Billboard charts, an amazing song called It Is Well. I would encourage you, don't sing from your head. Sing from your heart today. Come on, let's give it to Jesus.
before you. God, we declare that it is well with our souls. God, whatever tragedy we're facing, whatever mountain is ahead of us, God, we know and knows your name. God, that cancer knows your name. God, that COVID knows your name. God, whatever battles in front of us knows your name. So today we declare it is well. For those who came in today and said it is not well, God, we pray that your spirit would move in this place. God, they leave with a new perspective, with the strength and presence of Jesus today. And I declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give a shout of praise to God. It is well. You guys can be seated. But what an anthem of hope and strength in Jesus. 
Man, the writer of this song for Bethel, Christine DeMarco, she said this, I was in our backyard crying out to God, and he so clearly brought the phrase into my mind, the waves and the wind still know my name. Man, what a profound truth. That whatever you're facing today knows the name of Jesus. In the hardest storms, God is in control. We often forget that God's in control. And she wrote these lyrics, and it's so powerful. She said, so let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and the wind still know his name. You know, there's moments in life where you are wrecked. There are moments in life where you're in an ocean of tragedy. And all you have left to do is to get on your knees and raise your hands and surrender to Jesus. Just align your heart with God. It is not well, but God, you've got this. And you surrender to Jesus in those moments. I know for some of you are in that moment today. For some of you, you can look back to a time where you were in that moment. And today is a song of surrender, a song of tragedy, but God's strength through this. So the question I have for you today is simple. How's your soul? Like, how are you? Like, not how did you show up today with the Christian smile, speaking Christian knees. Now I'm sanctified, glorified, justified in the name of Jesus. Brother, hallelujah, 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 right? Like, you show up, it's all like, whatever, right? But how are you doing? Like, how is your soul today? And I think for real honest, a lot of us would say, it is not. Well, like maybe you came in today feeling like the only person in the world. Like nobody sees you. Like you feel invisible. Some of you came in here and you haven't had a full night's sleep in months. Like you've been carrying a burden. Like there's something in your life. Maybe you had a life-changing diagnosis or the fear of a life-changing diagnosis. For some of us, it is just a season of pain. We're going to be in some of those seasons in our life, maybe consumed by fear. For some of you guys are waiting on a paycheck, hoping it's big enough. Maybe your marriage is crumbling. Maybe you're abandoned. Maybe you're left by yourself. Maybe you feel lost. Like everything you had planned is not going to plan. Come on. Like we've been there in these seasons. So how can we really sing this song, not from our head or our vocal cords, but from our heart? Like from our soul, like we can just belt us out in true faith that we can follow Jesus. And we're real honest with you, this song is really tough to sing and really mean it. Like imagine like sitting at the graveside of somebody you love and writing this song. It's unreal the amount of faith it takes to pen these words. I want to tell you today, there's going to be some real opposition to the truth of God that I'm going to present today through the Bible, through the scripture, the words of God. There's going to be some real opposition because there is an invisible war happening today in this space. There's an invisible war happening all the time around us. There's a lot of things that are present but unseen. I'm telling you, there's a battle for your soul. I'm telling you, Satan use everything and the power of darkness and hell to stop you from walking out of here, saying to your soul, it is well. Like Satan likes to tell us a lot of stuff, like you're never going to change. You ever told yourself that before? Like you're not good enough. You'll never make it. God's not big enough. I love this one. This is used all the time. No one has had it as hard as you, <laughs> right? Like no one's been through this. No one understands where I'm at. And can I encourage you today that in your weakest moment is the greatest moment for God's strength to shine through. Like at the bottom of the barrel, like at the bottom of life is the moment where God's strength is the strongest. I love how the song opens up. It says, grander earth has quaked before. 
moved by the sound of his voice. Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Like God can do anything on my behalf at the sound of his voice. At the sound of God's voice, all things can change. We often forget that God is in control. We often forget that God has put everything together. So I want to give you guys a story illustrating who God is. It's found in Luke chapter 8, and this is a story of disciples going across the ocean or the sea. And uh, this story is not the one I referred to during oceans at different times. So if you were here a couple weeks ago, this is a different time on the water. But Luke chapter 8 says this, And as they sail, this is the disciples and Jesus, they're sailing, and Jesus fell asleep. It says a squall came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. You can imagine the disciples, what they're doing is they're freaking out, like most of us doing. We're trying to save ourselves. They're out there with buckets of water, trying to throw the water out of the boat, maybe throwing ropes around it, trying to hold it together. They're probably pitching off cargo so this boat can stay afloat, and they are scared for their lives. And where's Jesus? He's sleeping. When I get to heaven, I won't know what kind of pillow Jesus had. Come on, somebody. Like, what was that pillow? Like, how can you sleep in the middle of a storm? All people think you're going to die, but Jesus is like, I'm taking a nap. It says, the disciples went and woke Jesus, here sleeping in the squall, and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. And he often says, just peace be still. And all of a sudden, all the wind and water calmed down, just glass. Look what it says. It says, and the storm subdued, and all was calm, verse 25. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, where is your faith? This is often what Jesus tells us. I mean, he told the disciples a hundred times, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And he asks us the same question today. And in fear and amazement, I love this. This is, this is the fear of God right here. The fear and amazement. They ask one another, who is this guy? Like, who is Jesus? He commands even the wind and the waters, and they obey him? That's a question we have to answer today. Who is this Jesus? That he could do anything. The question I ask you is simply, are you more like Jesus who's sleeping through the storm? Or are you more like the disciples who are trying to save themselves? Today you walked in one of these two boats, no pun intended. Which one are you? Are you out there bailing out, trying to save yourself? That's mostly what we do in life, isn't it? Because then when you get done, we can say, look what I did. I saved the boat. I made it through the storm. But it's very rare that we're going to get on our knees and say, God, you got that. The disciples really think the boat was going to sink with Jesus in the boat. But they did. And we often think the same way. But who is this guy? That's the question I have to ask today. Can I just tell you about Jesus a little bit? Can I just boast about Jesus a little bit this morning? Nobody wants to hear it. Well, you're going to hear it anyway because I'm going to boast about Jesus. You're going to love it. A boast about Jesus. Just by the breath of God, all things are possible. The wind and the waves know his name. Check it out, Psalm 33, verse 6. It says, by the what? What's the what? The word. By the word of the Lord. By the voice of God. Just the spoken word of God. The heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. Like Jesus literally said, stars for eternity. There is, we can't even name the stars. It's 2021. We, you can name a star in 2021 because there's so many stars. Isn't that crazy? You can't buy toilet paper, but you can name a star. I mean, there's so many. 
I mean, we live in a world where we know everything, but they can't even fathom to count the number of stars. And the Bible says he just spoke stars. That's how big God is. He's got this. Look at Psalm 33, 9. It says, for he, what? What's it say? Spoke by his word, and, he, and it came to be. Maybe the most greatest definitions of who Jesus is. He did, he said it, and it happened. That's the God we serve, amen? He just spoke it. There's a word called divine theot, just the voice of God. Like all things by the voice of God. He can just say it and it happens. He says soil and there's soil. And he says light and there's light. And he says water, there's water. He says this, 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 and this. And all of it just comes to be as he commanded and it stood firm. Man, at the voice of Jesus. Can I tell you today, in your weakness, you have the greatest opportunity to hear the voice of God. You have the greatest opportunity for God to speak in your life and for God to use you in his presence to be put on your shoulders. Can I tell you this? God has moved a bigger mountain, amen? Like God has calmed a seemingly impossible storm. Like he is 100% in control. Like he knows exactly what you're going through. And simply by the sound of his voice, all things are possible. In the midst of your darkest moments, of your tragedy, of your hurt and your pain and your fear and depression, God is here. God is with you in the storm. I love it. Grander earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. And this is the opening lines of the song. We're going to be here a long time. Come on, somebody. I mean, this is so powerful. You start thinking about the theology and the truth of God in just this one phrase. Man, can I tell you about the greatest earth ever moved by the voice of God today? And when Jesus was falsely accused and he was, he was falsely put on trial in the middle of the night and he was lashed and he was whipped and he was scorned and he was, his beard was ripped out and he was mocked. And then he was put on a cross and they put stakes through his wrists and his ankles and they hoisted him up and stood him up on the hill of Calvary for all the world to see. It was one of the darkest hours of all eternity. And in that darkest hour, God does the greatest victory that you've ever seen, ever will see, ever to happen again. And it's found in Matthew 27, 45. It says this, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. There was so much weight and so much pressure on Jesus' shoulders that the earth was supernaturally put in darkness for three hours. It's as if time stood still, as if September 11th is happening, where you could just hear a pin drop. In this moment of darkness, God does the greatest victory. And can I tell you today that God knows what it's like to be in darkness? That we serve a God that's been touched in every single way and yet without sin? That we have a high priest that we can go to? That he's walked through every single valley? Jesus knows what it's like to be abandoned. Jesus knows what it's like to be beaten. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed and forsaken and misunderstood and judged and left for dead. He knows what it's like to be left by everybody that said they loved him. He knows it's he like never to own anything. He knows like for people to say false accusations, to be publicly shamed. Some of us can relate to that on social media. 
He knows like for words to be spoken that aren't true. He knows everything about everything we've ever been through and yet without sin. We serve a God that knows what it's like to be in the darkness, amen? He knows what you're walking through today. Like Jesus has been there and done that. Jesus knows where you're at. Look at verse 46. It says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in what? What's it say? In a, a loud voice. There you go. The back is getting loud. I like that. He says this in Aramaic. He says, Eli, Eli, lime sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for the first time in all of eternity, God the Father has abandoned his son. For the first time in all of eternity, the weight of our sin is pressing down on Jesus' shoulders, crushing him. Like we are being bruised for our sins. All the wrongs in humanity is being pushed on the shoulders of Jesus, and he is crushed but not destroyed, amen? He's being crushed. And so the father turns his back as the weight of sin is pressing on his son because God is holy and we are not holy. And for the first time, Jesus is put into outer darkness. He's put in the, the depths of hell. He is paying our payment for our sin. He became every one of our wrongs. And the father turned his back because he had to wait for Jesus to defeat our sin so that one day we can be in heaven because God is holy. And so as Jesus is in this moment of darkness, like in the worst moment of all eternity, in the greatest darkness that's ever made, he has the greatest victory for us. He moves the greatest mountain ever moved by the words of his lips. It's found in John 19, 30. He says this, it is finished. Matter of fact, he only said one word because in Greek it's tetelestai. He just said, to tell us, die. And by the breath of God, our sin was defeated. Amen. All things are possible by the words of God. Like in that moment, he set us free. In that moment, he took every one of our wrongs and he placed on Jesus and set us free. Matter of fact, he took every lie that is spoken to you, every lie you believe in your heart today, and he sent it straight to hell. He took every negative thought every wrongdoing in your life, and he crucified it on the cross, and he sent it first class to hell. That's what Jesus did for us. In that moment, with one word, die, he declared the greatest victory in the greatest darkness. Can I tell you today, if you're in great darkness, you have the greatest opportunity for God's strength. Amen? The greatest opportunity. I got some good news isn't done yet. That's, 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 that's not good enough. But Matthew 27, 50 says this, and when Jesus cried out again in what? What's it say? In a... I mean, he's just loud, isn't he? By the voice of Jesus, it says he gave up his spirit. He died. And it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And you're not getting excited as I'm going to get excited. I'm going to explain this to you, and you're going to get real excited. But this, temp, this curtain basically held back the presence of God. Let me tell you about it. It's found in Exodus 26, 33. It says, hang the curtain from the class and place it in a place, the Ark of the Covenant of the Law behind the curtain. The Ark of the Covenant of the Law is the place of God's presence, his only place of presence on the earth at that time. And so place God's presence behind this large curtain, and the curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Back in this time, there was a temple that was built in Exodus. And that temple was to contain the presence of God. And you had different courts. As you get closer to the center of the temple, you get closer to the presence of God. There's a holy place, and then the Ark of the Covenant that had the presence of God is the most holy place. It was divided by a three-inch thick curtain. 
And then no, per, no person can enter except for once a year, the high priest would go in, and he would put blood on the altar as a sacrifice, atoning for mankind's sins. But if the high priest had any sin in his heart, he would drop dead because the presence of God is so holy. And so what they do is they tie a rope to the high priest. Who would like this job? Come on. Sin, Pastor Petrie. They tie a rope to him. And if he had any sin in his heart, he would fall over dead, and they'd pull him back out through the curtain because nobody could enter that place. This is what was going on as Jesus died. He said, it is finished. He took his last, last breath. He literally took the curtain and he ripped it from top to bottom. So only people know is from God that the presence was no longer contained in a physical location. The presence of God was contained in us. Can I tell you today, Jesus didn't just die for your sins. Jesus gave you his presence. Come on. Look what it says in Romans 8, 11. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in Dude, you have the spirit of God in your life today. Do you treat yourself like the spirit of God treats you? Do you think thoughts that the spirit of God thinks about you? Do you go places the spirit of God asks you to go? Do you, do you just dwell on the things of God because God is in your heart? Like you can't sing it is well with me without the spirit of God in your life. And that spirit of God broke free from a physical location and took residence up in your heart. And today, no matter what you're walking through, can I tell you that religion is dead? You don't have to clean up your mess before you come to Jesus, amen? You don't have to walk in here looking perfect. You know what, the grace of God, by the presence being, the veil being torn, you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to clean up your life. You are made whole because of Jesus. And what he did, his presence invades your life. Can I tell you today, there's a lot of people who need the presence of God in their life, including Christians. Come on, I think it's the worst place to be is to declare something in your mouth and have it far from your heart. It's so easy to do that when you know Jesus up here, but not here. But there's a world that needs Jesus. There's a world. There's friends and family. I can imagine what it would be like to Horatio Stafford to have four daughters die, go across the ocean and not know Jesus. I promise you, there's a lot of songs written about that. There's a lot of pain in our culture. And Jesus has the answer. And we can give that away to people. In Matthew 27, 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up the spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Don't miss this. You said grander earth had quaked before. Check this out. The earth, what's it say? Come on. This is the earthquake we're talking about. Grand earth that happened. I'm telling you, what you're going through ain't nothing compared to what Jesus already did. It says, grand earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open because the death of Jesus couldn't be contained in his death. He still raised people alive as he died because the power of God is so powerful that when he died, people came to life. Matter of fact, that the bodies of the holy people who died were raised to life. And if you read the next verse, it's not up here. These bodies were walking around Jerusalem. You'd be like, whoa, dude, I saw that guy yesterday in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead because his death was still so much powerful than death could even contain. And it says, greater earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Man, who is this guy? I mean, the disciples had to ask this question. And you have to ask this question. But even the wind and the waves obey him. Where is our faith? I mean, Pilate asked this question. The thieves on the cross asked this question. They were mocking Jesus. And then they started getting smart. 
going, okay, this darkness is a little supernatural here. This isn't just some ordinary man. And they came to the point and said, God, can I be with you in paradise? Because, oh, I'm dying today. And Jesus said, oh, you sure can. You can come with me. We have to ask this question, who is Jesus? I love this story. The Roman centurion is at the foot of the cross. In the middle of this crucifixion, he is guarding and actually crucifying Jesus. Verse 54, it says, when the centurion and those with him, all the other guards who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake, they saw the supernatural darkness and all that happened, the word spoken by Jesus to tell us die, the earthquake as he died, they were terrified. I'll tell you what, I'd be terrified too if I realized I just killed the son of God. That is a bad place to be, but not with Jesus. And he exclaimed, this is what they said, surely he was the son of God. These guys figured it out. They're like, we made a huge mistake. Like that guy was Jesus. He is the son of God. He's in control of everything. I saw the rocks split, people come out of tombs. The earth was dark. I get it. I get it. I get it. And for some of you guys, you're going to get it today that Jesus is in control of everything. He has it. I love this, that even the ground that held the foot of the cross that Jesus crucified on was held together by Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Like every little detail Jesus is involved in. He could call down legions of angels. He could do anything he wanted to do, but this is the path he chose for us. That greater earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Every weakness you have is an opportunity for God's power and God's presence and God's peace in your life. I know I'm talking to somebody today. Some of you guys walk in here, you're a wreck. Some of you don't know where to go next. Some of you have no purpose. You have everything you need in life. You have no idea what to do with it. Some of you guys think you have all this stuff to do with it, but you just need Jesus. Some of you guys come here knocked off your horse. You feel like you're not enough. You might not make it another day. You feel like the walls are closing in. Today, for one of you, is a day that marks a great tragedy. For day one of you, I know for sure, one of the hardest things in your life ever happened, happened a year ago today. Can I just encourage you this? If you give God your weakness, he'll give you his strength. That if you just humble yourself before God and say, God, you got this. God, just take this. That God will supernaturally give you his strength in this season. And how can you do this? How can you give God your weakness? I'll give you two things real quick. Number one is this, is just recognize God is in control of everything. That's a simple one, right? It really is when you think about it, but it's hard for us. It's just hard for us to let go. And so she wrote these words. She said, so let go my soul and trust in him. I love this idea of letting go and trust. Like when you put your hands up during a song, it means that it's a song of defeat for you. Like I don't have enough power. Like I'm not good enough, but it's also a song of victory. Like you raise your hands in victory when the Chiefs are scoring some touchdowns. Come on, somebody. Like, hey, I give up, but God, you're in control. Like, God, I'm not that good, but you are good. Like, I can't do this on my own, but you can. Like, when you lift your hands and surrender, it's you coming to the end of yourself and the beginning of God. It says the waves and the winds still know his name. This is so powerful. That the mountains of your life know the name of Jesus. You believe that today? That, that the storms in life know the name of Jesus. That your bank account, come on, somebody, knows the name of Jesus. I mean, look, Colossians 1.16, it's so powerful. It says, for in him, this is Jesus, for in him, what to say? All, all things, every single thing was created. There's nothing that you can see with your eye that wasn't created 
by Jesus. Matter of fact, it says things in heaven, things you can't even see with your eye. Can I tell you there's a presence that's so powerful and it's unseen today? Can I tell you there's a war for your soul today? There's something happening behind the scenes that you don't know about, but it's happening. It says things in heaven were created by God and on earth and things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created. How? How have been created? Through him and for him. Like Jesus is in all things, he's through all things, he created all things for all things. Like that's who Jesus is. Can I just tell you today that thrones know the name of Jesus? That the United States government knows the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. The Google knows the name of Jesus. Everything you do knows the name of Jesus. All things know the name of Jesus. Rulers know the name of Jesus. COVID knows the name of Jesus. Cancer knows the name of Jesus. Death, come on, somebody knows the name of Jesus. Horatio Spafford knew that. He knew that when he wrote the song. Man, the stars know the name of Jesus. Every star bows to Jesus. Do you know what you're walking through today knows the name of Jesus? Do you know that today? What are you facing today? God's got it. Jesus has in control. There's no accidents. There's no coincidences. It is through the power and divine plan of God. You're in this moment. He's in control. And it is well with your soul when you know that all things are for and through Jesus. Second thing is this, is fix your eyes on Jesus. I love how the song goes. It says, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. You, Lord, through it all, through it all, it is well with I love that little twist in the song. It is well with me. It's not, it's just well out there somewhere at church. It's well, it's cool. No, it's well inside me. It's well in my soul. Like when's the last time you felt well? I don't know. I don't go around talking about people that tell me how great they are. <laughs> it's a pastor. I get the other side. But how many people would say, man, it's just well in my soul. Look at Psalm 118, 28. It says, God, you are so good. You are so ready to forgive and so loving. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Whatever you're walking through, can I encourage you that God is good? Matter of fact, I encourage you, God isn't just good. God is so good. And God isn't just loving, he is so loving. And God isn't just faithful, he is so faithful. And for some of you today, this is gonna be some really, really good news. God isn't just forgiving. He is so ready to forgive, amen? He is ready for you to come home. He is waiting for you. He wants to change your life. We can declare this today as a church, far be it for me not to believe, even when my eyes can't see. You might not be able to see past the mountain in your life. You may not be able to see past the tragedy. You'll be able to see past all the depression and the hardship, but there's something more that's happening that's unseen. I want to give you this story as we end today. Super powerful. It's way back in the Old Testament. It's found in 2 Kings. There's this prophet. His name is Elisha, S-H-A. Okay, now Elijah, it's the one after him, Elisha. And this guy has the greatest gift as a military tactical weapon in the history of humanity. He has a gift of telepathy. It's a true story. He could hear people's, people's thoughts. He knows what they're talking about in their bedrooms. So as a strategist in war, obviously you want to take this guy out. There's this enemy of Israel and they're trying to uh, take over Israel. Every time they try to attack, the troops are already gone because Elisha is telling them what the plan is. 
And so they, they basically mark him as number one enemy of the state. Come on, somebody. Not a good thing, right? And his servant is with him, but he can't see the way Elijah sees. He can't see what he sees. He can't hear what he hears. He has no idea what's going on. And so one night in Dothan, this army comes and collapses on them. This around the city, it's full of chariots and horses and many, many, many troops. And so this servant of Elisha, he comes outside, he looks and he goes, oh wow, we're surrounded. Gehazi is freaking out, this servant. Like what are we gonna do? We got moments to live. He's in fear of his life. And all we see is the storm around him and Elijah is sitting there going, God's got this. Don't you worry about a thing. Look at this, check that, so powerful. 2 Kings 6, verse 16. Elijah says this, Do, don't be afraid, Elijah told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. Like you might be surrounded today by an enemy, but I can tell you there is something present but unseen in this moment that outnumbers whatever your enemy is today. It says that Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and we looked up. He saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Come on, somebody. Like there's more than meets the eye. There's more going on than you can see. I don't know about you. Maybe there's a chariot of fire up on the stage today. Come on. Like maybe there's a horse on fire. Like you ever seen the song Angels Armies, you know, old school Chris Tomlin, right? That there's an army of angels that are in this place battling for your soul. I told you guys in the war, you guys aren't believing me because you always see what you see, but there's so much unseen, you don't know it's there. I told you Satan's gonna try everything he can to stop you from walking out of here saying, it is well with my soul. And the things of God are surrounding you, the chariots on fire and angels in this moment fighting for you, amen? And whatever you're battling in this season, God's got it. Like, we just see with different eyes. See, disciples, they saw a storm. But Jesus saw the peace of God. He knew the plan. And today, if we could just see with one moment what God was doing in our tragedy, we would just get on our knees and say, God, you've got this. Like Horatio Safford, and just say, God, you're in control today. And so who are we? We are faith-filled Jesus followers that can sleep through any storm, amen? We have the pillow of faith in our life. Who needs sight when you've got a voice? Like who needs sight when you have the voice of God in your life? The presence of God is with us to tell us that it is finished. The greatest earth has already quaked. The voice of God tore down the wall of religion that the mountains have fallen in front of us that God knows exactly what you're walking through in this season and we can see past the mountain because God has always been faithful. If you walk with Jesus long enough, you're gonna start realizing that God is always faithful. God's been faithful to everything in our life. Who today would attest that God is always faithful? Come on, son, put your hand here. If God has always been faithful to you. Now stop, keep those hands up, keep them up, be proud of that. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, now I want you to look around this room and say, I might be missing something. Because God is so good. God is so good. If you haven't had that experience with Jesus, that he is faithful, you are missing out on the essence of why you were created. Because God spoke everything into existence except for you. Like he spoke the stars and the dirt and the sun and the light and the fish and the animals and a giraffe and a cute little goldfish, but he didn't speak you into existence. 
He got on his knees and intimately formed you and shaped you. You're the only thing in creation built and made in the image of God. And for us as humans, it's time we recognize that. It's time we're not falling into depression and chasing after the things of the world. We can say, Dad, I'm home. I'll tell you what, I was lost at Kmart one time. I was six years old. I was freaking out. I was crying. I heard my name come on the speaker. Sean Pitcher, I remember standing up at the front, my dad came to me. I was so happy I was rescued. Blue light special at Kmart, right? But for some of you guys, never been home. You don't know the peace of God. And today, he wants to give it to you. That you can truly say, it is well with me. Father, we come before you. God, I pray for somebody here today that's recognizing that they need your forgiveness that you are so ready to forgive, that you need to come in their life and make it well today. They've been trying everything. It could have been drugs. It could have been accomplishments. It could have been everything in the world, but today they're coming to you. And so I want to pray for somebody who needs Jesus today. Somebody who is saying, I need forgiveness. I need hope. I need my soul shored up today. Maybe you're online, in person. I want to encourage you in a moment of faith. We just raise your hand high and say, I need Jesus in this place. So that's you. I need Jesus. I need to call on Jesus today. Like, I need to be well in my soul. I saw some hands kind of pop up. I see your hand. If you need Jesus, this is for you. You can just pray this prayer and say, God, come into my life. God, thank you for dying on the cross and making a way. I don't have to earn it. I don't deserve it. You did everything for me. I'm accepting your free gift of salvation. God, do something in my soul. I can't do it on my own. God, I need your peace. I'm trusting you're in charge of every piece of the storm. God, you can have my life. God, I want to serve you, be faithful to you. And I praise in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it for God. Come on. It is well. Man, what a good word. It is well. Hey, if you're following along with us online, you're with us in person, and you're that person today that made the decision for Jesus, you prayed that prayer, I want you guys to know that we are here for you. When we want something for you that is just immeasurable, and God's going to bring that into your lives. So you're beginning a great journey. It's not the end of something. It's the beginning. So i got a couple great next steps for you if that's you today. The first one is this. Let us know about your decision by texting RLNEXT to 97000. We'll have a team member reach out to you over the phone, just get connected with you. Their whole job is this, is to make you feel at home here at Real Life. They want to help you and resource you in any way that we can, and that's all they're going to do. We would love to have you let us know about your decision. The second thing is this, is if you're with us in person, on your way out of the worship center, stop at the back. There's a red bag. Grab one of those. Inside, there's a Bible. There's a link to some other great resources. Just another great next step to get started off on the right foot. Man, I love that song. It is to, I was telling the, the first crew this morning that, man, hearing that song, it was well with my soul. I grew up in church, and I remember just singing that over and over again. And it's been a long time since I've heard it. But maybe, you know, like Pastor Sean talked about, maybe where you're at today in life is it's not well in your soul. And I want you guys to know that we have a couple great next step for, uh, steps for you as well. The first one is this, get connected with our care team. You can do that by texting RL Hope to 97000. Again, we'll have another team member just reach out to you. Maybe the first step is just you need somebody to listen to you. And then from there, we'll get you connected with your next step. God's got something for you. The other great thing you can do is this, again, by texting RL Hope to 97000 here at Real Life. We offer four free professional counseling sessions to anybody in the church. We also offer it to anybody outside the church. So if you know somebody, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, they need a little extra help in this season. We would love to be a blessing to them and get them connected 
to uh, uh, Grubs, which is our, our counseling, professional counseling people. So please avail yourself of that. We would love to get you guys hooked up. So the other last thing you can do for everybody else is that I know for me, sometimes when uh, you just need a little extra push, it's by investing in somebody else. So maybe you're ready to pour into somebody else's soul today. And the way you do that here in real life is going through our next up crash course, which you can do today at Sean's and Diane's house at 2 o'clock, 2 to 4.30. It's you can find out about what God's purpose is in your life and you, how you can use God's gifts that he's given you to pour into somebody else. So come check that out. You can sign up at reallifechurchkc.com. And again, it's from 2 to 4.30. Don't miss out on this opportunity. We would love to see you there today to get you guys connected here at Real Life. And speaking of connection, you know, God's just given us so many opportunities to make a difference in our community and across the world. And we do that through generosity. And at Real Life, you can connect to generosity and invest and make a people in difference life in three different ways. And the first one is you can go online at reallifechurchkc.com, click that giving tab. Number two, you can text any amount to 84321, or if you want to use a cash or check, you can drop that at the giving box at the back of the worship center. Take a second, check out this video, and see how your generosity is making a difference. Hey, Real Life, check this out. I've got some good, good news for you. Come here, come here, come here. Yeah, check this out. Come on with me, we gotta get there quickly, let's go. Had to stop and get a Starbucks on the way. I know I sped away to give myself a little uh, a dessert coffee, come on somebody. But I've got some special news for you. I'm not gonna peel out in front of Starbucks, but got these little things. How about that, huh? Special keys to the building. So I'll show you what we're doing. We're right behind Starbucks, kind of behind the, the Joanne. So we're gonna go on the backside of the building here. I'm excited because God's doing some big stuff, real big answer to prayer. So we took possession, uh, got the keys on last Wednesday. And so we are just now getting into the first phase of this project. Uh, just got the lease signed, everything official completely done now we're into the kind of building phase but the main thing is once you guys know why we're doing this and we're doing this because we want to grow and make disciples behind the centers we're located at and this is gonna give us the ability um, to grow people grow the team have healthy teams have youth group here really develop people it's the first time we've had a space that we can use outside of our houses on kind of a permanent basis. And so it's pretty awesome that we get to grow people here, uh, get to do training here, life groups here, youth group here, um, mentor people, develop people. And so I'm really, really excited for what God is gonna do. But I wanna invite you guys to pray with us. Uh, we're starting this process. It's a lengthy process. It's probably gonna be probably four to six months before we're officially using the space. Um, but God's going to use it. And so I want to encourage you um, to be investing in this, praying for this. It gives us a great opportunity to do all our digital videos. As you can tell, we shot this one in my truck. Come on, somebody. Um, and yes, that was me peeling out. I'm not going to tell you where. It's a secret location. It's right off of uh, Mullen and Hy-Vee. I mean, secret location. Um, but anyway, I want you to check it out. Be praying for this. And uh, it's going to be cool. And uh, next week, we're uh, two more weeks of our series. And I uh, got a great week, uh, kind of a week of worship for you guys. Uh, we're gonna go. Some, we're gonna do some old school, kind of mix in the new school, and uh, kind of extended time of worship, and just invite you guys to play part of the story of God. I know He's gonna write a new song in your life, and uh, the series goes to the Mother's Day, which Diane's gonna bring it. Uh, little spoiler: 
she will be singing during her message. Come on, somebody. Uh, but anyway, love you guys. Excited for what God's doing. Come on, let's give it up for God one last time. Come on. We're so excited to see what God's going to use this uh, tennis space for. Uh, one other thing, Pastor Sean, Officer Myers told me he knows exactly where that spot is, so don't do that again. He is looking for you. Hey, if you need prayer for any reason, we'll have a team member up here. We would love to pray with you. Again, 930 and 11 next week, invite your friends and family to continue the series of songs that made us. And as always, remember, guys, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you guys next week.